to that earlier in that wonderful way of talking about butt cracks again. I can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your it's advice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to episode 160 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rockstar, but on this weekly podcast, I chat with the true rockstars, my fabulous guests and chums that I've met on my journey from techie to CMO, sharing their marketing street knowledge in a show that Jason Forbes described as a variety show for marketers. It's Saturday, the 1st of April. Thank you for joining us. Hope you've had a good week. You are well and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. No April Fools here, as this week in the marketing studio, Jeff Clark is setting up the metrics. I go backstage for a fun conversation with Brittany Murphy, marketing director at One Thing Marketing, and I wind down the week with Robert Rose in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. If you like the show, come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'll include links to me, my guests, and all the things we talk about in the show notes on rockstarcmo.com. And we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. This you may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. On to our first segment, the Marketing Studio with Jeff Clark, our weekly dose of marketing street knowledge from our resident Rockstar CMO strategy advisor and former Forrester Research Director. Good afternoon, Ian. Welcome into the studio. Actually, it's morning my time, it's afternoon your time, but uh, (laughs) you're here. I am. Thank you very much. And for our customary um, awkward welcome of each other, I can welcome you to the Rocksville CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thank you very much, Jeff. And it's a delight to be in your studio. (laughs) 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 And of course, for new listeners that don't know us, you're speaking to us from Massachusetts, and I'm speaking to you from outside Oxford. See, see, <laughs> we don't speak a lot of Spanish here, but I'm, I'm learning it. So that's why I went to that mode. I'm guessing we're not going to do the rest of this in Spanish, right? Because no, I don't think I can do it. No, good. Uh, and uh, so our first agenda item, as the regular listeners know, is um, how is the weather in Massachusetts? The weather is, uh, well, it's spring-like, but it's cloudy. Mm. It's, you know, but then mm. we got a lot of rain last night. So uh, mm. the plants are liking it. Uh, yep. My wife is not, but uh, the sun will come out <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> uh, surprisingly similar here as well. Rain and gray and, but not, that isn't surprising for the UK. No. But, uh, yes. Um, so. Um, last week, again, uh, aiming my comments to the regular listener is we had a chat about 
the five effing fundamentals for defining and setting your OKRs. And then at the end of that conversation, I said, next week, let's discuss what we do want to measure. So that's today. So again, because honestly, Jeff, you spoil me. I understand that you've got some principles on that matter and, and not, just, <laughs> not just any number of principles, but five, five. effing principles, which, is, which works for me. So, um, so what should we be measuring? What say you, Jeff? Well, you know, it is a, uh, it's a loaded question, um, <laughs> but uh, it is one I, was, I became very familiar with uh, uh, dealing with clients when I was at uh, Forrester Series Decisions, because you know, that was um, probably our number, well, certainly in the operations group, that was our number one topic. And if you, yeah. if you think about overall, people were always asking, how do I measure demand? How do I mm. you know, monitor my funnel? How do I blah, blah, blah? I mean, that was, mm. uh, that's kind of the beginning of the, of their practice. And, uh, mm. so yeah, so it's, uh, you know, you know, you get into the, um, this kind of gets back to last week's topic is what, what should I measure? Well, mm. what are your goals? What's the strategy of the company? You know, what are the objectives yeah. of the organization? And so, um, so yeah, you get into this, this, this discussion going back and forth, yeah. trying to, trying to really, yeah, yeah. you know, hone in on what's important. Um, yeah. which actually gets to my first principle. Actually, should I just jump into my first principle? Or Yeah, I was also going to echo what you were saying. I think that this is absolutely a popular topic, and you were saying that we got some good feedback from last week's show around OKRs, mm -hmm. which I thought we were diving into a bit of a rabbit hole, and maybe people wouldn't follow us down there. But And, of course, just to for people that didn't hear last week, OKRs is Objectives, Key Results, results. right? So it's a, it's a, it's a methodology for developing your marketing or any objectives, really, the business yep. objectives. So you've got five principles. So, yeah, I was going to let you dive straight in, but I'm going to prompt <laughs> you. And what's your first principle? Otherwise, I've got no job. I mean, what? <laughs> you're, you're what really... <laughs> it's, it's my job, mate. I've got, if you can imagine me wandering around, I'm, I'm like the, the, the girl between the rounds uh, at the wrestling or the boxing holding up the sign. Saying, first <laughs> principle. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your first principle, Jeff? Well, is that you have to address the business questions of your your audience. So um, you know, as I said, you're you're you know, you're you're being guided by what the objectives and the strategy of the company are, but mm -hmm. what you're really doing when you're I mean, when you're determining what to measure, you're trying to ask the question, you know, what is my my audience thinking? And if my audience, in this case, since we're talking about kind of a C CMO level set of uh, OKRs, is that is the executive team? And and when you say we're here to support this, you know, OKR number one, the executive team will be thinking, well, what are you doing that's important to me? So yeah, yeah. you know, if like it's con yeah. you know contributing to demand is yeah. important, then you know the questions yeah. are how much. In opportunity value, have you sourced? Is it net new opportunities? Are they current customers? Are we influencing? Are we accelerating opportunities? You know, you get into certainly into the demand world. You get into very revenue focused mm -hmm. issues, um, and uh, and and so you got to suss out what is the what, what what's the what's the way they're asking the question, which helps me guide what metrics I want to pick. Um, yeah. And and I think one of the important things is to not guess. Uh, yeah. what they're thinking, it's to do a discovery process and ask them. I mean, you may have gotten a list of, of goals and objectives and marketing has done their due diligence to figure out how they relate to that. But 
it never hurts to, I shouldn't say it never hurts. I should put it in the positive. It's always essential <laughs> to, to ask the audience exactly what they're thinking because, yeah. uh, you know, th- there may be a lot of nuances in, in, in what's in their mind and you want to be, be sure you understand that. Yeah, yeah. I really like when we were talking about this and I was looking at the notes, I really like that point you made there, which is um, what are you doing that's important to me? And I think that's that's a really crystal point there, isn't it? When you're when you're when you're sort of laddering up these objectives to what the business needs are and you're looking across the C-suite and you you look at them and you think, what what are you doing that's important to them? Right. Yeah. And then, like you say, like these guys aren't going to necessarily be marketing experts and stuff. And so, you know, you can't second guess and you can't you can't expect detailed answers like you're saying. They're not going to tell you how to do your job, but it, the good thing is doing that discovery. So I like that. So that's, yeah, so that's you, the you first don't... principle. Well, just to just to echo what you're saying yeah, is yeah. that you know you you shouldn't expect them to give you the details, but and they, and if they do, like yeah. it's like they might say, "I want to know how many leads you're driving." Well, yeah, yeah. okay, now we need to like let, let's let's take that up a notch to understand. Yeah. I know you're interested in leads; that's kind of a tactical measure, but let's yeah. let's you know let's get a little bit more uh, behind what your your questions are, so I can figure out what the best yeah. thing is for me to to to, to measure on. Right. Right, right, and yeah, that's a, that's a that's a good example. So that's your first principle, right? So address business questions, but to do that, doing that discovery and making sure you're both speaking the same language at that point, right? And essential, yeah, yeah. So what's your second principle? Uh, prioritize measures of impact. So at executive level reporting, you want to avoid. Uh, tactical activity level metrics, you know, so event attendance, you know, leads tend to be tactical measures yeah. for demand. So you want to, uh, you know, kind of as I was referring to earlier, you want to level up level that to revenue oriented metrics. So you have something mm-hmm. as a monetary value or closely tied to monetary value. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if they ask you specifically, we need to see what's coming in in terms of yeah. leads, then then tie that to a funnel of which, mm-hmm. you know, the latter stages show the the pipeline, either sales accepted pipeline or and marketing influence pipeline or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and oftentimes, you know, doing that kind of funnel picture helps mm-hmm. you show how processes are working. So you, you get a little bit yeah. of sense of the activity, but you're yeah. going to tie it right down to, you know, yeah. uh, investment to pipeline ratios and marketing sourced or marketing influence pipeline things that are that show that you're you're looking at the the revenue impact of what you're doing yeah and i i I really like this point well there's a couple of points i'd like to make on this the first one is absolutely and i think then you can build that model and i've also seen uh talking to companies occasionally is that actually you know when it comes to demand gen it can't the answer can't be as much as possible what do you actually need to make your numbers and if we work out the ratios of close rates and we know average deal value all that kind of good stuff then you can put a broad math around it can't you that kind of says what that yeah. looks like yeah. and then and then that'll tell you how many leads you actually need rather than all of them right which i think is yeah. nice and it gets you some focus but the other one on this is when you talk about measures of impact and we're driven at the moment as marketers to to, to tr- find those measurable metrics, particularly when they're connected to revenue. But where do you, does this sit with something like awareness? I mean, would you say that we need to educate that that's not necessarily going to have an Im- immediate m- monetary value today? But if, if growing awareness should be a, 
or not for everybody, but for certain organizations needs to be a goal. Right? I so, think I yeah. absolutely think that, that, uh, you know, brand measures are, mm. um, are impact level measures. Um, yeah. and the, the, the challenge becomes, well, is one, I guess there's a couple of challenges. One is the understanding of your executive team in terms of the importance yeah. of brand. Um, some executive teams absolutely understand, and it may not be sort of general awareness, but, you know, within a market or preference mm. within a market, they might say, you know, we need to see where we are relative to our competitors. Yeah. Um, so, so those things are, are absolutely important um, from a, in, in terms of providing impact. Uh, yeah. And sometimes when it's hard to get those measures and I think we've touched mm. on this a couple of times before, you know, yeah, you can yeah. look at a variety of related metrics that you can kind of mm. tie together an index to say, you know, look, our, our yeah. preference, our product is increasing because look at the engagement we're getting on our yeah. website or in our customer portal, or look at our satisfaction ratings and our, and, and mm. if you're, if you're showing positive trends and that's something marketing is affecting, obviously you want to, yeah. if it's something you're affecting, then you want to be able to report on it and show your role in making that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that rolls up to your principle number one, isn't it? In that you yep. need to make sure that that's important to whoever you're reporting up to. And, yep. and also, I mean, that topic, we keep sort of skipping over the rabbit hole or dipping into it. So I think that's going to be a, that is going to be a um, topic for definitely for another show. I think right. I think we well, really need to dig into that. So your first principle is, as I do my, I've got this vision now in my mind of me wandering around a, a, a boxing ring or wrestling ring. And I'm really, <laughs> sorry, the, really sorry to the listener. So principle number one is address the business questions. Principle number two, prioritize those measures of impact. What's your third principle? Address readiness to make mm-hmm. impact. So mm-hmm. in, in addition to showing impact, uh, measures you may again because of the questions that the executive team have there may be mm-hmm. things that you need to prove you are uh improving um uh which will which may be things that help you get to a greater level of impact and it's mm-hmm. probably best to show this in terms of examples i mean if there's you know if you have um like sales product uh, productivity issues well what is marketing doing to enable sales uh, in terms mm-hmm. of messaging? What are you doing to provide sales tools? Uh, and and so even though it may seem like kind of a tactical measure, your ability to actually say, this is really important to you guys, and here's what we're doing, and here's our progress on a you know quarterly or whatever basis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember uh, at an organization I worked for where having customer references, you know, uh, publishable customer references became incredibly mm-hmm. important. And that was seen as a, you know, because the sales team was doing a lot of reference selling. So that was seen mm-hmm. as being, um, you know, important well, for yeah, their sales is. productivity. Yeah. And so yeah, we yeah. actually were tracking the number of customer stories created in each market and kind of across mm-hmm. different product products. And, uh, you know, again, it may have seemed kind of tactical, but on the other hand, it was important to the executive team. And secondly, it showed, marketing having an impact on the readiness of the organization to meet its objectives yeah no i really like i like i really like that point and and i also we kind of touched on it last week didn't we about objectives where you need to um where 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 you where you need to be able to deliver on the promise of the objective right and that yep. you've got those objectives but this is slightly different in that um you know you is is the um 
is how our objectives are create are helping with the readiness of the organization. Right? Yes. If I'm yep. getting that right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, and I'm, it could be the readiness of marketing. I mean, if you've got yeah, yeah. skills issues yeah. in field marketing mm. or in digital mm. or uh, or you've got process issues, yeah. you know, things aren't pumped out on time, then That's you gotta show how you're gonna deliver on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's and actually that I mean that is a principal point, is it? Because I'm always waffling on about the um, marketing a hamster wheel and then too often we just jump on start working start spit, trying to create demand or create white paper whatever our job is to do right yeah. uh, without taking that pause uh to to address things like readiness that's important so that's your third principle what's your principle number four every measure needs a target so if you're trying to tell a story about your progress towards business contribution, then, mm. you know, what, what are your, what's the goal? And, and again, this is, I mean, the basis, I think one of the reasons why the whole OKR methodology has a lot of validity is because there's an idea that the objective is tied to a result. Mm. So you always want to be able to talk about um, your progress towards that result. And that result might be, um, you know, like, again, if, if you've signed up for sourcing 35% of the revenue for the organization, that, okay, mm-hmm. there's your target. Uh, or if yeah. it's a particular, um, you know, monetary value, not just a percentage of total, uh, then that's your target. Um, but also it could be, you know, benchmarks, you know, are we, are we trying to compare ourselves to last year? You know, so X right. percent over last year, mm-hmm. or is there an industry benchmark? Did we have a right. consultant come in, come in and say, don't look at yeah. the industry benchmarks. This is what yeah. your revenue contribution should be, or yeah. this is this is what your 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 sales cycle should look like. Yeah. Then um, then that's the goal. That's the yeah. target. I like that, and I've, it's slightly tangential. But in my day job, we create a email benchmarking report um, which compares across different industries. And I think the important thing here is what you're saying with the target as well, is it's not just a made up target in terms of, oh, sales have got, no, I don't mean that's made up, that's a real target, you've got revenue targets. But also, if you're looking at things like, um, if you're looking at things like click-through rates on your emails or open rates on your, or whatever tactic you're using, it's a, it's good to go to an outsider who's who's got that industry knowledge to say in your industry this is where you should be at roughly right so this should be yep. your target I think so rather than oh we're going to try and do twenty five percent better than we did last year you know at some point that you're not going to be able to do that anymore because of, of that thing and I so I think finding that kind of data in your industry and I'm not just promoting our data but promoting finding that kind of data in your industry is really important isn't it to to understand yeah, what those yeah, targets that, might be and that's one of the, I think that was one of the key values that you know was now the Forrester business business oh, marketing gotcha. group is the yeah, yeah, yeah. you know benchmarks on budgets yeah, benchmarks yeah. on funnel yeah. conversion rates benchmarks oh, sure. on yeah. I mean that example body. is a very narrow example of email open rates and stuff like that but you are absolutely right Folks like Forest for Serious, but are they still for? They're not Forest for Serious decisions anymore, are they? Yeah, they dropped the serious. They've stopped. They're not serious anymore. (laughs) But folks like Forest, (laughs) I mean, or um, Content Marketing Institute. You know, there are a whole bunch of people that do research. Absolutely, that you can you can tag onto. I think it's good. So, so that's principle number four. Every measure needs a target. 
I've got a song in my head with that one, but that's not going to be our song. Every rose needs a thorn or whatever it is. All right. Uh, well, so we're coming up to our fifth. So I'm just going to remind you what the, the ones are so far. So number one was address business questions. Number two, prioritize measures of impact. Number three, address readiness to make an impact. And number four, we just had, which is every measure needs a target. So a what's target. your fifth F in principle? is to expect to revisit all the principles. Uh, <laughs> I love you know, this. I love this one because I think, it's I think a... we finish everything with that, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> it's, either, it's either measurement, which this whole thing's about, or all of our things finish with, yeah. you know, it's going to change. So I like, sorry, well, that was actually mate. that, that was kind of like uh, in, in a lot of the process models that we were, were working with back at yeah. the uh, Forrester serious days was that yeah. there was always the last stage, which was evolution. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, you put a plan in place and absolutely, you know, I'm certainly a big advocate for putting concrete plans in place. Mm-hmm. But as everyone knows, things change. It yeah, doesn't mean yeah. you don't want a plan. It just means you got to, you got to be able to roll with the punches. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you may have thought you got all the business questions, right. You may have thought you defined the metrics, right. You may have, you know, you know, the mm. situation might've changed or you, you dug into the data and said, Oh, you know, I can't actually is- report on that. And so yeah. now I have to like work, now I have a new readiness metric. How long is it yeah. going to take yeah, for me yeah, to get yeah. where I can actually report on my revenue contribution? Yeah. So, um, so I just expect to go, you know, back to the drawing board of one or two metrics and it's not the end of the world. It just mm. shows, you know, you're listening to the executive team and your team that's helping you pull us together is agile and, and, uh, Rolling with the punches, and if you know if you got to roll with too many punches, then <laughs> something wrong. I don't know, maybe you look for a new job at that point. <laughs> <But> <laughs> no, I, really, I and I, I mean, we always finish with this kind of advice, don't we? Which is, it, 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 depending on what it is that we're talking about, but it's usually like measure and and expect to change. So this is this is perfect. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jeff. So your five principles, I've I've run through them a few times now. Address business um address business questions and with that wonderful quote i like that what are you doing that's important to me love that prioritize measures of impact address readiness to make the impact and every measure needs a target and expect to visit visit all of these principles i love that so our third agenda item now we've done the weather and we've done the topic is what's the song i'm playing out with today? we're gonna play out with uh what was a uh a the second place finisher for last week which was learn, <laughs> learn to fly by the Foo Fighters in 1999 release. I mean, it's got, I think it has a line that actually applies more to this prod, uh, this yeah. uh, episode than the last one, which is yeah. looking for something to help me burn bright. I'm looking for a complication. <laughs> so in other words, <laughs> what's going to make me look good. What's going to be kind of tough for me to figure out how to do, but I'm still looking for what's going to make me look good. Yeah, and just for um, <laughs> just for the benefit of the listener, we probably spend way too much time thinking about the song rather than the topic. So, like, <laughs> but it's only the it's the only the most fun part. You just shared a bit of that. Well, thank you very much, Jeff. And uh, so when I play out, so I'll play out with Learn to Fly by the Foo Fighters from 1999. And will you be welcoming me back to the studio next week? Yeah, we may we may dig into uh, a little bit about. Mm putting together the cmo dashboard i like that and now that and, we got these things chosen yeah, what do we yeah, do yeah and um any feedback on that would be great from you the listener because um we're kind of going down this metric measure rabbit hole and i'm hoping that you're enjoying us doing so we're bringing alice with us <laughs> all right mate so i'll see you next week thank you very much thank you take cheers, care everybody. cheers
Thank you, Jeff, for that was a little snippet of Learn to Fly by the Foo Fighters from 1999. And Jeff is publishing some great stuff on our Street Knowledge blog, so please go check that out at rockstarcmo.com. Right, time to go backstage with my guest. Brittany Murphy is the marketing director of One Thing Marketing, where she focuses on helping home service business owners get their phones to ring with new leads. As you'll hear, Brittany grew up in the trades herself and her team have found their niche, specialising trade and home service businesses, perfecting a proven process and strategy for optimising clients' websites and Google rankings. Through a combination of these strategies, her background in blue collar and her experienced team, Brittany has helped local businesses increase their revenue by at least 30% year after year. It was fun to hang out with Brittany. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Welcome, Brittany, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me today. Hey, you're very welcome. And where are we speaking to you today? I am in Louisville, Kentucky today, home of the Derby and state of the bourbon. Yes, the state of the bourbon and also the state of Jason Falls. Well, I mean... That sounds wrong, doesn't it? When you associate bourbon with the state of Jason Falls, I can't really. But he's he's obviously uh, somebody we were chatting about just before I hit record as a a big influencer over here in the Martin Podcast Network. But yes, uh, so I, I'm familiar with. But you'd, it, would you say you've got a strong Kentucky accent there? I, is that... So this hits home because I thought that I didn't have too strong of a one, but I have asked multiple people. In every aspect of life, and it is solidified, I can't get rid of it. It is <laughs> a southern thing that's just going to stay with me. So <laughs> it's part of it, and I think that's it's part of me being authentic. Um, my daddy cusses like a sailor, so so do I. <laughs> so yeah, I, I might that. as well have an accent to go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was listening to you on, on some other podcast, and it was it was it's really good. And I thought you um, you really fit in around here, around Rockstar, that kind of language. <laughs> that's cool. So you're you're a partner at one. Thing marketing. Tell us about one thing marketing. No, uh, sorry. I start off with tell us about yourself, Brittany. Sorry, uh, be, uh, because I became so familiar with you. I forgot the listener hasn't heard about you. So oh, you're good. Tell you're us a little good. Bit about well, yeah. Are we actually anything outside of our businesses, though? So that's actually a good question. Who am I <laughs> outside of my company? Um, but yes, really, uh, very briefly about me. Um, I am the marketing director at One Thing Marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. This June will be my nine-year anniversary. Wow. So what I get to specialize day in and day out is I get to meet business owners where they're at, understand what they've been doing, what their goals are, where they're trying mm-hmm. to go next, and then basically get to make the game plan of how to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And that's really just kind of up my alley. I am a talker. And as you can tell now, I have a, I'm have a talker, a quick talker with an accent. So I try to do my best to slow down because the thing I talk to clients about is search engine optimization. It's probably one of the trickiest words when it comes to marketing for most business owners. Uh, so it's very fun to kind of combine those things together. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I'm, um, I'm the same. If I'm, if I'm on stage talking, I talk too fast for because I work with a lot of European vendors and stuff, and they're like, and everybody's like, slow down, Ian, slow down. So, so you're in good company. You're in good company there. So good, we're good. gonna, we're gonna spend twenty minutes probably condensing everything into into twenty minutes. So that'll be cool. So what is it that one thing marketing do? Yep. So we are a digital marketing agency mm-hmm. specializing mainly in website design, search engine optimization, local SEO for the trades. Yeah. Uh, so my guys that I'm trying to search for are your home service industry. So roofers, plumbers, electricians, pavers, 
Uh, my joke is if they show their butt crack, uh, point them out to me because I need to talk to them <laughs> about their marketing. <laughs> And is that part of the strategy? Is the bug? Uh, no, but it, you know, anything to kind of catch someone's attention, I think, is never a bad thing when it comes to marketing. You know, not all press is bad press, as, as I'm sure some people would say. But we really love uh, kind of honing in on those guys. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a trades family, so I really kind of understood growing up what it was like when the business was going well and when the business wasn't going well. And yeah. so that was just kind of over the past years, we've niched down to it. And that's something we can t- definitely talk about later. Yeah, yeah I'm going to ask you about that. But I love this idea that the butt crack is part of your marketing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> that's made me laugh. Um, and then originally, so you talked about coming from a trade family, which I think is great. I mean, you clearly, you know, have a, have a good empathy and feeling for who your clients are. But what inspired you yourself to start, choose marketing as a career? I have always loved to be creative, and unfortunately, Mm -hmm. almost anything creative you want to do is a really big life change. So, for example, I went to college for merchandising, apparel, and textiles, Mm -hmm. which is not a very common degree, but what it basically meant is I could be the person who was purchasing the material for a clothing designer. I could be maybe the fashion designer. I could, you know, work in in, it. any of the ins, the outs when it comes to the fashion retail side. And mm-hmm. I really loved that, really kind of grew up in it. My grandmother taught me to sew, did many fashion shows I presented in growing up. Um, loved that side of it. Toured New York. Hated mm-hmm. it. Uh. <laughs> I also went when there was about a foot to 18 inches of snow every wow. day we were there for yeah. Fashion Week. And I hate the snow. I mean, as you can tell from my accent, I love more the warmth. So <laughs> not a huge fan of the New York snow and even yeah. went into uh, actual retail merchandising after that, went into retail management after that, yeah, uh, yeah. kind of found out through every step of life that although you want to be creative, you never get to be, especially mm. if corporate is involved. And that mm. was unfortunately most of the job positions I was in. <laughs> corporate was there. So as much as they sell you on the aspect of, you know, you really get a hone your your tool of your brain and yourself it was nope here's the plan you just got to make sure it gets done and that's not fun yeah it's funny isn't it these fashion um sorry these uh these exciting sort of industries that people perceive to be so much fun and actually there's a bit of a grind about it right and it's not all it seems right so yes and then um and then when you went to one thing marketing was this when you went to one thing marketing because i read a story about you visiting every local coffee shop tell us about that was that and then you started with one thing marketing as a partner right tell us about that whole story yes yes so it was after i started with one thing marketing is when Mm -hmm. my tour to coffee shops began (laughs) um and basically what that was is uh one thing marketing was in its infancy when i started um Mm -hmm. it had been around for a few years but really was just kind of more in that still startup phase and mainly so because in our area seo was really just not here yet it was Mm -hmm. on the coast um you know just really not many business owners understood it trusted it really kind of want to utilize it so it was a very hard thing to kind of break into our market to really explain to people and you know, here's the ROI of it. Like, here's the amazingness, you know, yeah, yeah. very hard sell on that side. Um, and so I came in as basically sales and business development and then kind mm. of partial account management as well. And grew it completely where I'm just more business development and strategy as far as that side. Kind of that's where I sealed my partnership because my goal was to do whatever I could to grow our business and get mm. the education out there. And so 
that's kind of where I met any and every business owner I could at a coffee shop. And I mean, I would go back to back meetings at coffee shops, <laughs> put my cards up there. You know, if I listened, heard someone talking about it, because in Louisville, one of the phrases they have is keep Louisville weird. And it's because it's <laughs> such a small business area. Yeah. Yeah, And so it was great because you'd always find new business owners. There were a million networking opportunities. And so that yeah. was a really great way to build the business kind of from the ground up. Yeah. Luckily, and fast forward nine years, I do not have to do that same type of footwork <laughs> yeah. at every copy shop. Because if you can imagine how quick I talk now, imagine how much I could be with caffeine in my system. <laughs> <laughs> so your fourth or fifth meeting were much quicker than your first meeting. Of the yes, day. <laughs> yes. I could wrap up that 20-minute combo in about five and say, all right, sound good? And they would be like, sure. <laughs> so your advice there really when you're starting a small business is to get out there and network by the sound of things. I mean, that sounds like the, the lesson yeah. that folks should learn if they're, they're starting their own thing, right? And, and if I you're also, in sales, I mean, it's all about yeah. b- selling yourself. I mean, that's yeah. kind of where, to me, that personal branding comes in. People yeah. are buying, obviously, the service that we give. But yeah. that's the joke I told you at the very beginning. I'm very authentic. I speak how I speak. If I right. need to throw a cuss word in to get the point across, it's going to come out. You know, yeah, and I'm not yeah. going to be shy about it. So if that's something that, you know, speaks to you and you say, hey, Brittany, makes sense. Uh, you know, mm. that's she's speaking to my level how I wish a friend would speak to me on these things. Then yeah. we're most likely going to get along, connect, and it's going to go great. You know, if you don't build that rapport in me, then you're not really going to buy my services. So that's always one thing, like, during the whole journey of getting to where I'm at, learning as much as you can about the sales process, it really understanding you're selling yourself at the first yeah, yeah. and at the end of the day as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm learning a lot here. So I'm learning about how butt crack <laughs> oh, can be I part of your marketing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and how cussing can be part of your marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. I like that, too. Um, But your role is really interesting because you're responsible for marketing your agency and working with your clients and marketing their businesses. And, um, you know, as we were saying before I hit record, you mean it's that classic uh, cobbler's cobbler's kids shoes, isn't it, story? I mean, we're I mean, I've I've had agencies in the past and it's very and you spend so little time on your own BD and your own marketing and stuff. How do you find balancing those two roles? Oh, uh, I can't say that I have found how to walk <laughs> that tightrope just yet. Yeah, yeah. But what I try to do is I try to at least meet their bare minimum. I tell mm. my clients to do. Um, I luckily have been able to, I mean, I'm our marketing strategist for our company. So I've, mm. I have been able to weasel my way into some different things to help uh, get more leads without having to do all the groundwork to kind of get there. I mean, speaking with people like right. yourself who have an audience, like that is a great marketing plan to talk mm. to people who might be interested in what you do. Um, so there's some ways like that where you kind of cannot have to always do the best job you can. But at the end of the day, it you know you still have to block out just a little bit of time. So it is one thing. We yeah, do yeah. some time blocking here at our company. So that way we actually have designated time where even if things slip up, I do have time where at least I can block off, even if it's two hours for the month to have something show I'm alive still (laughs) outside what everybody else is posting. And it's it's important because I know building relationships with other podcasters is huge to my marketing plan. So it does make sense. I need to make time once you tell me, hey, this is posted you know, yeah. that I get to sharing it. You know, I make sure yeah. that my people are engaging with it. I, you know, repurpose it on email so everyone can come in from our, our email list and, and listen yeah. to it. So it'll be a little delayed because I'll actually be on my bachelorette party when you post it. But I'm sure I'll, <laughs> I'll have all my girlfriends listening to it and we'll definitely be liking it at mimosas. <laughs> that sounds like the best way to enjoy this podcast. I like that over a mimosa. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, 
but uh, but it's I mean so many times I talk to agents and they're like oh don't look at our website <laughs> you know I mean? like, or whatever so I think that's a really interesting and you're saying there that you need to make that time block out that time to do the promotional things um one of the other things I noticed as well particularly about your agency and your own career right and I speak to a lot of marketers who've given up corporate and do their own thing and others that think about it what I noticed about you is you're very focused on a very specific industry and you alluded that to that earlier in that wonderful way of talking about butt cracks again <laughs> I can't resist <laughs> is that your it's advice? trademarked <laughs> yeah, yeah is that your advice for people forming their own agencies and for building names that you need to find that focus um half of me wants to say no because it's been so successful for us I don't want everybody to get the shortcut <laughs> to success on that side yeah. but as a person who wants to share the good and give forward it has been nothing but pivotal in our marketing, in our track records, and everything we spend our marketing time on. And that kind of goes back to answer your question previously. How do we spend time on what we need to do for ourselves? Mm. By honing in that we only want to work with trades or home services, it yeah. allows me, even though we do have clients outside of that because we've done this for over 10 years, mm. um, it allows me to focus on only reaching out to our roofer to get that video testimonial from. Yeah. So therefore, we can put that on the website. You know, given it'd be great to get this from everybody, but if I only have so much of my own time to give to my own marketing, mm -hmm. then I know where to focus and prioritize that time to be most beneficial for future growth. And the yeah. things that are going to be, you know, make the most impact for me as well. And that kind of goes back to making sure that, yes, like I share podcasts that are, you know, very beneficial, you know, if it's marketing, you know, things that are going to kind of help get into the right audience and, and share and build those relationships on that side of it. So it has been really helpful for us. Mm -hmm. A caveat I tell everybody about this is we did not start out that way. I was going to so, ask you, that was going to be my, my next question on this. So, did you, so you pivoted towards being specialists. Yeah, so if you remember that uh, little Southern girl that was yeah. walking into every coffee shop high on caffeine trying to talk yeah. to every business owner, <laughs> we were picking up people in every industry. I mean, yeah. I, I could name a mirage of different just categories that everybody falls into. Yeah, and yeah. so from that, it allowed us to definitely build the business. And then we kind of focused and, and learned when we looked back at our own marketing data, did mm. what we're supposed to be doing, you know, that we're mm -hmm. telling our clients to do, look back, yeah. see where your clients came from, who are they? Yeah. We realized that over half of our clientele was actually in the trades. Mm -hmm. And so we looked, okay, why do we have this? What's going on with it? And kind of after further deliberation, we realized these guys, A, kind of need the most help. Uh, mm -hmm. They're busy. I mean, and one of their biggest complaints for my clients is there's not enough manpower out there that they can hire. Nobody yeah. wants to be in HVAC. No one wants to be on a roof. So it's really hard to get the people they need to do that. So they're busy yeah. from, you know, six to seven, you know, eight to eight, like they're working mm. 12 hours a day kind of going mm. through that. So they don't have the time to focus on their marketing, but right. they're the ones that could benefit from it the most, because let's just say that you saw a little bit of reek, a leak of a, on your roof right now yeah. coming in through your ceiling. Yeah. What would be your first instinct? Yeah, well, you just you go to um, here. We have things like Checker Trade, you know, like these trade um, websites. You'd probably go looking on that, or oh, or you'd ask your neighbor, or it'd be somebody you already knew or heard about, right? That you had yeah. that, that that reputation with, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so to go back to your first answer, you're basically yeah. looking it up on the internet yeah, to find yeah. some answers. So yeah. you're more reactive. You have a problem. You need to find a solution very really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. These guys, if they could be there at that point, it was so pivotal for them. Mm. And as well, if they did get a referral, if they have a good you know, reputation online, yeah. if they have good reviews, it was so much easier for them to solidify getting that client. 
So we just noticed that they were getting the most bang for their buck, the most benefit. Yeah. And we said, let's go after the guys that are really kind of getting the most from it. And I loved it because, as, as I mentioned, like, yeah. if my father's company he worked for was doing well, we were doing great. You know, my yeah. mom told me stories of when she had to call his company and say, hey, can you please put him on some jobs? Like, we just purchased a home and we need to make our mortgage payment. Like, yeah. and you've only worked him 10 hours. Like, I need him to be full time. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I love this. This is the, the situation I would love to avoid any family from falling into mm-hmm. having those downtime. So it was like just a beautiful kind of combination mm-hmm. of my partner's background and just SEO and my passion of like, yeah, these are my guys. Like, this is who I've grown up around. You know, I, I understand the ins and the out of, outs of it. And the best part is because we've niched down, we can actually talk to these guys on their level because we understand the difference of their maintenance programs. The yeah. difference between when it's usually repair versus a replacement, you know, I mean, shingles versus metal roof. I mean, all these little th- things and details as a homeowner, yeah, you never yeah. thought you'd know. We yeah. have like a little piece of all that information. So it's able to help them and just kind of give them more industry related resources and benefits mm-hmm. that they could help help them impact. I mean, even like a CRM system, you'd be surprised yeah. how many of these guys still use pen and paper for <laughs> everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we can kind of help them give them more ideas like that while we're working on their marketing to get them more leads yeah. as well. So it's just a beautiful mix. Yeah, no, and I really like the lessons that you've got there because I think it stands, I mean, I'm, I'm a B2B marketer for larger organizations, but I think um, we're always afraid of, in sales and marketing to, as you would say, niche, right? Because we, we're scared of like narrowing the funnel too much and appealing mm-hmm. to too few people. But when you do, you can be incredibly relevant, can't you? And that's what you've just expressed, I think. Yes, <laughs> that, that's the, that was the whole point behind it. Yep. And that's kind of where, as I yeah. talked about earlier, yeah. people are buying you and your personal brand. Yeah, and so yeah. the fact that I grew up in trades and that's all we focus on now, yeah. it helps me build that relationship with those guys so much quicker. So it, that's, why, that's why I mean whole perspective yeah. of it. If it you are a marketer and you are thinking about it, take the plunge. Do not have that scarcity mindset. There is so much out business out there to be had. And so, mm. yes, people could jump into my industry. You know, obviously I don't love competition, but I welcome <laughs> it because, again, yeah. there's so many mom and pops out there that I would love those guys to stay in business because they're investing yeah. in good marketing and getting good things out of it versus these, con- you know, conglomerates, yeah. these bigger corporations buying up all these small businesses. And now mm. you kind of see the, the dream die of, you know, owning your own business. So I would welcome yeah. it just so we can make sure those guys are taken care of. I love it. And I also like your technique of looking in the CRM that you did yourselves, looking in your CRM, finding where your um, ideal customer profile is, as the as we would call it, and, and honing down on who it is you already know, right? Which is, I mean, I, I'm a, a, a CMO of a, a, a group of companies, and we've just acquired a company, and that's exactly the process I'm going through with them, which is who mm-hmm. are your customer? Who is it in your CRM that we can point to and go, those are your guys? And I think that, or yep. gals, you know, so I think that's great. And then, so you work with smaller businesses and what's the first problem you normally need to solve with them? And I understand there's an ebook on this as well. So I should mention, throw that in as well, the first nine steps. So what's that first thing that when a new client comes on board, you're, you're always having to, to, to remind them of? Yes. The very first thing that we actually do is yeah. one of their biggest problems. They've not tracked much. Or mm-hmm. if they do have someone that has been helping them track, it's not actually accurate data that they're going to make business decisions off of. Mm-hmm. So that's usually kind of where, even though they're small businesses, they've been spending a couple thousand dollars each month on ads or SEO or their website, mm-hmm. billboards, radio, TV, you name it. They've mm-hmm. been throwing dollars out, hoping that it would come back in a new business. 
The problem is, and why they're so frustrated is they have not had good tracking on any of it to know the difference Mm -hmm. of exactly which channel was bringing those clients in, which are their most, you know, marketing channels of, sorry, most efficient marketing channels, Mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes where you get the most clients aren't your ideal clients. So you do have to match back. Where am I getting good and quality together with it? And so it's kind of one thing where immediately when we can kind of set all those things up, we realize, hey, their ads were completely off. You know, they felt like they got reports saying, hey, you get all these clicks. You had all these impressions. But why did I only get, at the end of the day, one call off of it? And we're actually able to give them this information and make those small tweaks initially. Um, So that's one thing. But the reason uh, we're bringing up the ebook is because not every business starts with the same issue. And like I mentioned, we're targeting tracking because it could potentially fix a few things up front very initially, but that's actually the ebook for, I suggest anyone who's in the trades, if you want to share this with someone, you know, that's in the trades, but it's like Mm. the nine foundational steps. Anyone in the home service or trades industries needs to do with their digital marketing game plan. So that uncovers their website, search engine optimization, local SEO, Google ads, reviews, link building. I mean, we we get a little bit more technical in it, but we do try to stay very English friendly because some (laughs) of the words we throw in there when it comes to technical jargon is not the most friendly. Um, So we do try to kind of have that in there, but all of those things are different aspects that business could be touching on. So that's why I like track everything you're doing because you might not realize somewhere you're not spending any time or money. Like your Google business listing is the one bringing in 50% of your calls, but you would never know that because they never tracked it. But yet they're spending 10,000 a month on a billboard thinking that was the reason like, you know, they were doing so well in ranking. Yeah. I love it. I love it. This is like marketing in the raw. That's what I like about it. Because when you work for larger organizations, all of the lessons you're talking about absolutely apply. It doesn't matter the size of your organization. And, um, but you're, you're so close to it with, with these, with the size of these organizations and seeing these, things have these impacts i think it's great it's great and i will include a link to that ebook in the in the show notes but i'm looking at the time i need to get to our final question we have a regular feature the rockstar cmo spin pool our port to marty hell we throw all the bullshit snake hole and overhype trends that plague this industry we love what would you chuck in there well it comes with the theme of over promising and under delivering but i would love to chuck in and this has become from the last decade of being a salesperson as well yeah. Every salesperson that comes in saying, I can get you to the first spot on Google immediately. <laughs> All those little bullshit statements where they have no clue what they're yeah. selling for this national agency, which I won't name names, but there's quite a few that yeah. steal your domain. They steal all of your assets. They do not care about you. And those, I would just love to pick all of it up and throw it into that little uh, portal to hell. <laughs> I, I could. It. I've hated it my entire career here. So I think it's a great question you ask because it's something that every day I talk to a business (laughs) owner that gets duped. And I would love to know who that sales agent was so I can pick them up and place them. Throw them in the pool. I love it. I love it. Yes. And um, finally, when people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you and your agency? Uh, Honestly, the best way to get a hold of me would be Mm -hmm. through our website. Uh, I love to network with people. So if there is a strategy session you want to book to kind of go through that talk, it's on our website, top button on there. And also if you get that trade book, you'll kind of get some emails from me following up just to make sure it all makes sense. And if you have feedback on it, fellow marketers, I would love to know. So appreciate it. it. I love it. And and that's one thing marketing, right? One thing. One thing marketing.net. Love it. 
All right. And I'll, as I said, I'll include all your links in the show notes. And what about you? Where are they going to find you? You're on, you're on LinkedIn and all those places? Yep. I'm on LinkedIn and I am trying to do a better job of being active on other social platforms. But <laughs> find me on LinkedIn. I'll be much more responsive there. <laughs> LinkedIn's a place where it's at, at the moment. I think all the other, I think yes, there's so yes. much activity on LinkedIn right now with everything that's going on with Twitter and stuff. I think it's the place to be. Anyway, yes. very nice to meet you, Brittany, and very nice to spend some time with you. And I love that story and um i look forward to staying in touch and speaking to you again thank you very much thank you have a great one thank you Brittany. that was a lot of fun and something for all of us to learn there about focusing on your ideal customer something we talked about a lot recently on the show i will of course include all of Brittany's links in the show notes Right, it's that time of the week to wind down and wear better than the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. And join my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the Content Advisory, for a cocktail and a marketing thought. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Oh, hello, my friend. Once again, I am so impressed. And you have been able to repurpose. It's like a harbor in here, like all the boats and the seals. Oh, and yes. the, I mean, yes. you have truly turned this into a whole port. It's, a, it's like a, it's literally a, not a the, the drink port, but like literally a port where there's. I, I can hear sea chanties going on with the sailors. I can hear all sorts of seals barking. I can hear all the boat horns. It's, it's quite the it's quite works. Are you making money out of this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was time um, because, um, you know, we're so close to the sea here by the virtual bar that I might as well have just hurry open the doors and and let the boats in. Um, And as I I think we've said before, you know, there's so much space in there, I might as well do that. Plus, um, was it uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a US Navy ship sort of fell over in a British port. um, I saw that. I saw that on the news. So I thought, you know, I'd better help them out keep their boats upright and they might as well do it here in the bar yeah well there you go <laughs> so thank you yeah, for that one as i as i scan my mind for how on earth i turn our virtual bar into a harbor but let's give that a go um so okay. over the top of the sea shanties and the seals and the harbor noises um what are we drinking what <laughs> <laughs> You know what we're drinking here is uh-huh. something that um, this is this is now this is a stiff drink. Um, this uh, it's good for a end of a long week, and I guess good for your sailor friends here yes. who are who may join us. Um, <laughs> this is called a Texas two step. Um, this harkens back to um, my my days in Texas. Mm-hmm. Now it's another fancy drink. Last week we had a fancy drink, and yeah. this week we have a fancy drink again with tequila. Um, this is now here. The, the, I know it's going to sound weird, but hear me out. So we do uh, basically one part tequila, uh, one part rum, then basically a quarter part or even an eighth part, depending on your taste preference here, of blue curacao, and then uh, also a quarter or eighth part of Cointreau. And again, that's based on taste. And then you splash that with some lime juice. Now, you shake all that because you need to mix. That's a lot of liquor to (laughs) mix together. Yeah. Um, and basically, you can put it into an orange twist there on the top, and it'll be this really beautiful little kind of green color. The, the, the sort of the curacao certainly helps that. Um, and basically, put all that together, and it is sort of a, a sweet and sour kind of drink um, that you're going to have with the tequila, the rum, and the and the curacao in there. 
um, and the Cointreau, of course. So, but it's it's a good stiff drink, wow. and so you, you'll you'll probably make enough for a couple of people here, yes. or certainly two two for yourself or whatever it is. But that's the that's our two Texas two that step. Is some serious supping, and that's big in Texas, is it? The Texas two step. Good lord. Um, okay, so I shall It'll attempt. You I, dance, sh- yeah, sure, I yeah. shall attempt to make uh, the. I shall I shall t- attempt to make that very drink using only the ingredients of my desktop bar. Um, I'm going to start off with some ice, and I have obviously, uh, if you've listened to the show ever, uh, the most English of tequilas, which will be some gin, a Hendrix gin. Uh, so I'll slot that in there. And the other thing is, coincidentally, it is also the most English of rums. So I'll put some more gin in there. <laughs> and uh, that's and, uh, yeah. uh, because I have a very important person to talk to in the bar this week. Um, I think I should put some tonic water into all this liquor. And uh, so I'm going to okay. go with right. um, Cointreau, which is uh, orange-based. And we've decided that... This is getting tenuous. we decided that the cucumber is the most um, English of oranges. So I'm going to go with some... I'm going to go with some fever tree cucumber tonic water. Let me give this a try. And I'm also going to skip the blue cooler cow completely there. Oh. Mm. That is delicious, Robert. I could drink one of these every week. And what are we calling this? Well, I suspect you might, yes. <laughs> what are we calling Yeah, We're calling this the Texas Two-Step. Splendid. I actually got called out on um, Twitter a couple of weeks ago about whether, whether one should drink vodka and soda or gin and tonic. What a ridiculous question that was. <laughs> Obviously, gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> vodka soda. That is... That is the most non-drink of all drinks I can think of, really. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, I mean, it's back to your... Um, you can, I mean, it's re- it, 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 the interesting thing is it ruins both, right? It ruins the soda <laughs> and ruins the If you could possibly imagine being able to simultaneously ruin both ingredients, <laughs> you've just done it. But I love the sound of this Texas two-step. I think, I mean, that is a sipping gradually kind of drink, isn't it? I mean, a couple yeah. of these and you're going to be in... And all sorts you, of well, yeah, you will be ready to dance for sure. <laughs> and that's probably why it's called the Texas Two Step, right? Because you're yeah, definitely exactly. two stepping after a couple of these. So, um, where are we going to take these Texas Two Steps, my friend? Well, let's we we got to go to Texas, right? I mean, that's just <laughs> the, the answer to that. Um, you know, I mean, I know last week we went to Mexico and had some Mexican mm-hmm. food on the beach, but I think mm-hmm. uh, um, this this week we got to go to Texas yeah. and. I think we got to do some Texas barbecue with this. I mean, again, nice. mixing up the sort of uh, sort of uh, street food with yeah. the uh, fancy drink there. I think we have we have a couple of these and get some good Texas barbecue, um, yeah. and um, probably in Austin somewhere. Um, yes, which will please. make sense here in a moment when I tell you what we're going to talk about. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think that's where we go. Oh man, I was thinking when you said um, when you said Texas, I thought we've not been to Austin, I don't think, on the show, and I think, uh, I, and that's a great city. And the um, Texas barbecue, if there's two, well, I, and I've been lamenting the last couple of weeks about how much I miss good Mexican food since we moved from America, but good barbecue food as well. Good lord! Oh boy, yeah. When I, I have you all... can't. That's one thing here. So here in California, you can get some yeah. really good classic, what they call Tex-Mex, but. Yeah. Um, you it's really hard to get good barbecue here in california it's you know it's just 
good yeah. Texas barbecue is difficult to come. I mean, there's one place near my house that serves pretty good barbecue, but they mm-hmm. mess it up with too much sauce and all that stuff. But uh-huh. um, yeah, it's it's great Texas barbecue yeah. is hard to come by unless you're in Texas. Oh, uh, and when I have all of the money, I think I'm actually going to have to do this virtual barter for reals. <laughs> And actually, where are we going to go to this week? Well, well, let's let's go to Texas. <laughs> let's have yeah. Let me actually go to Texas. Yeah. Is that what you're suggesting? Yes, yeah. absolutely. All right. Um, so um, we are in Austin, and we're having some wonderful Tex Tex Mex food. Oh, just uh, no. Sorry, we're having barbecue, and I'm Tex Mex. We'll have that tomorrow. Um, well, <laughs> and conversation turns to marketing. What are we talking about this week? Well, we're going to talk about where we should be writing our thought leadership. Um, and it, and I was inspired this week by, I I happened to catch, um, and this is where the connection will come in. Mm -hmm. Um, Matthew McConaughey, you know, the actor. Yeah. 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 Um, so back in 2014, when he won, uh, the best actor that year for his performance in Dallas Buyers Club, um, which is a really kind of a sad movie, but, but, but a good movie nonetheless. Um, he gave this amazing, wonderful three-minute speech that was very motivating. And you probably remembered as soon as I start telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty famous out there. It went a little viral on YouTube yeah. and, and all of that. And he basically he said he needed three things in his life. Uh, he said, I need something to look up to every day. I need something to look forward to every day. And I need someone to chase. And I won't bother with the first two because he brings in God and his family and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's wonderful. But the last one is really interesting. He said, I need someone to chase. And he's, it's, that's his hero. As he said, he wants uh, his hero to, to so, as someone mm-hmm. to chase. And then somebody asked him who his hero was. And he said, it's me in 10 years. Oh, wow. And he said, that's who I want to chase. He said, cause I believe I'm going to be this and that and the other thing. And so I want, I want, that's my hero that I'm chasing is me in 10 yeah. years. And then 10 years later, someone said, okay, now are you a hero? And he said, not even close because my hero now is who I'm going to be 10 years from now. In other words, so who, you know, his hero at 15 was who he wanted to be at 25 when he turned 25. No, it's, it's him. The new hero is himself at 35. And so his point being that he'd never be his hero, but he would spend his life trying to chase somebody worth chasing. Mm. And I think that's a great, wonderful life lesson. But it's also a really interesting lesson about how we write thought leadership. So we see a lot of thought leadership uh, in our work with clients, and we certainly hopefully try and create some of it. Um, And the interesting thing is, is that we often, when we create these thought leadership pieces, these visionary, you know, true thought leadership, like visionary, talking about the future, talking about evolution, talking about what things mean, you know, the changes in life and changes in industries mean, we all know we, as we create it and as we consume it, we all know that it, it's never as tidy or as buttoned up or as clean yeah. as it will ever be, right? You know, this is the classic, um, and, and it happens all the time in consulting, right? Which is hopefully what you're buying when you buy consulting is thought leadership. But new consultancy comes in, they're going to help you choose a new technology or envision a new website mm-hmm. or create a new marketing or content strategy. Most of the work, the designs, the specifications, everything that's presented, Everything that's presented, everybody sort of knows or certainly comes to learn that it's messier, it's harder, it's tougher to live up to than Mm -hmm. what was presented as the right approach. Mm -hmm. That's just the nature of consulting, right? In other words, 
we are presented usually with the right strategy. Like nobody comes in and goes, we know you don't have the capacity or you know understanding to do this. Yeah. But we're going to present it anyway because we know you're going to fail at it, right? <laughs> so no consulting firm ever does that. They always present yeah. the right approach as visionary as it might be and then let you either phase that back or design it accordingly to your capabilities. And And so the same is true in thought leadership, right? When we present these visionary scenarios, we create the white papers, the webinars, long articles, frameworks, disruptive changes, this disruptive changes, that. And we know mm -hmm. that we're creating things that we're chasing, yeah, not yeah. necessarily things that we can represent today. It is the hero, as Bonnie yeah. might say, that we're, you know, it's our 10, yeah. it's us in 10 years or our customer in 10 years or you in yeah. 10 years. And I think that's fantastic. Now, having said that, I've noticed a lot of companies are now pulling back on this idea of the visionary stuff, the thought leadership, yes. in lieu of how to. So sort of, sort of taking advantage of whatever the popular zeitgeist is of the day. And the most common one these days is AI. And this is really what, oh, what good Lord, drove yeah. me to this, right? So yeah. think about AI and there's this amazing things that are happening now. But if you look at the thought leadership that's coming out from technology companies or analysts or those kinds of things, most of it is the top 10, 10 changes you need to make today for AI. You know, how to yeah, use yeah. AI today and how to do this today. And I see those things and I go look and I see not a lot of demonstrated sort of vision about where things are going or what things mm -hmm. be or the possibilities or yeah. visionary. I see them taking advantage of the fashion or the topic of the day yeah. and basically trying to create quote unquote thought leadership around it. Now that's, I get it. I get that because when you think about this from a marketing perspective, right, mm -hmm. it is what marketers are trying to do is not be the lone nerd at a par party talking about the coolest <laughs> new weird thing that might happen or might not happen. Mm -hmm. You want to be the most popular kid in the school who's coming into the big crowd going, I'm hip to the most modern changes. And so let me tell you how to dress like me, right? Mm -hmm. And we're all chasing today's hero. And so here's the... Ultimately, cutting to the chase is I'm not arguing that marketers shouldn't abandon their how to do this best type of thought leadership, but without the sort of visionary or change or going out on a limb or setting the stage or talking about the what could or shouldn't be or should be, um, it, it makes the how to thought leadership much weaker, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And so I think you need both. And even if the thought leadership on your visionary side doesn't turn out to be true. Now, what that means is, is that a lot of what we're doing is we know it's not going to be true. It's going to be messier than this. It's going yeah, to be, yeah. some of it's going to be wrong. Some of it's there. But if the ability to strive for our idealized future selves is why we will be successful in leading our industry and differentiating it, even if the only reason it exists is so that it makes our how-to stuff yeah. more resonant, more trustworthy because people will go, oh, they do have an opinion about the future and this is how they're saying take advantage of it yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. And I think that level of thinking of creating content is our audience's future hero, right? Yeah, so yeah. it gives them something to chase. Yeah. And just like McConaughey said, we can acknowledge that we may not get there, mm -hmm. you may not get there, but we're always pushing the boundaries far ahead. So that's, yeah. I think, a great reason and a yeah. approach to thought leadership that really should work and this is great i i, I would um yeah i mean and 
you know, in real life, not just virtual bar, I know that you've got a time constraint today. So I, I, I would love to dive into this for about half an hour to an hour and a, a few more of these drinks on this one, because there's so much to this, because I've been thinking about this myself, because, um, you know, do a bit, you know, obviously we talk a lot on the, on the podcast, I do a bit of writing and stuff. And I, I worry sometimes about how far ahead you want to get about from where people are today when you're thinking about these things and and we are there is more of a tendency now to be more practical with your content rather than be thought leadershipy and i wonder if there is a fear of being wrong right um and looking silly but does anybody notice does anybody go back to your thought leadership from five years and go look well you got that wrong about digital asset management or whatever it was i don't think that happens they right? don't right of course yeah and i think the to me, what I see is that there's a fear that if we are too far out there, that yeah. it's that what we're not doing is addressing the immediate need. You know yeah. what I mean? And so yeah, you get a little yeah. bit of that, you know, well, we get so wrapped yeah. around the axle of becoming the answer to the frequently asked questions that we forget yeah. that the real thought leadership is providing the rarely given answers. And, and, yeah. Sorry. So it's yeah. the rarely given answer is where the thought leadership yeah. is, but it's not always the one that's going to answer the question about the immediate need yeah. that a customer might have. Yeah. So, you know, if we're a, if you were if we're a maker of technology, for example, yeah. if I tell you how to do something today, yeah. well, that solves the need and hopefully presses you to make a buying decision today. Yeah. If I tell you about something that you need to be paying attention to in the future or thinking about or big. Yeah changes that may or may not occur five years from now yeah. that does not press you to a decision today but it may create more trustworthiness for the things that you are pressing on today yeah no exactly exactly and that's that, and that was the point i was <laughs> was, was I, I completely that's the point i was going to make is that, that today um marketing particularly in b2b is so demand gen led right is you're absolutely right that piece of content needs to deliver a, an opportunity it can't just deliver a, a fine thought within some or, or some brand affinity because that can't be measured right i, I like these guys right. they've got good ideas um exactly yeah and I, I and that to me is um is that tussle that, that's constantly going on around investment in brand or thought leadership and investment in demand and um you know instant need this need that we need these deals this quarter right which is it's so good. And I also love the analogy of them of being the most popular kid in high school, which is, is what everybody seems to be striving for now. And and where is that kid today? You know? That's exactly it, right? Yeah, yeah. Where's I mean, the where's the nerd that was in the corner talking about yeah, all these yeah. things that were gonna happen versus yeah. where's the yeah. uh yeah. you know, where where's the most popular kid is you know, they live and die by yeah. fashion, right? Yeah. And I bet, and, yeah. and so today they're very popular and, and do are very successful and Yep. you know, are usually some form of a bully in some way. Yeah. And, but then, but then tomorrow when they guess wrong or they fall out of fashion for whatever reason, or yeah. as I say, don't have the embedded trust about what will mm -hmm. be, mm -hmm. they only know what is, mm -hmm. then you start going, well, you're just a one trick pony, yeah, right? Yeah. All, all you can do is teach me how to, you know, do something today yeah. when I'm trying to learn from someone how to do something tomorrow. And it's yeah. that, once they get found out as a one-trick pony, then love it. It, they're they're on to the next thing. Yeah, love it. I'm totally stealing that from one of my Tuesday two cents. This idea of, of being the most popular kid in school, and and where is the geek in the corner? He's running Amazon or he's he's, he's looking Facebook or something. Yeah. right? So absolutely, we need to give our audiences something to chase. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. And this. and and it 
and, and that is and that and, and that is really in, in thought leadership you know i'm not suggesting that for Definitely. making entertaining or jokey or funny or something like that that's not about that yeah. it's not being so obtuse that you you know what i mean <laughs> it's that that you that you're that you're you're confusing and I, i'm not yeah. suggesting we all become james joyce all of a sudden but, <laughs> um you know but i am suggesting that in thought leadership yeah. we do need to give you know a a, an important part of our balance is to give give people something to chase. It's just like McConaughey yeah. said, right? It's the hero of because we may not even be living up to it right yeah. now. This is huge in things like ESG or the climate change or yeah. those kinds yeah. of things where we do want to talk about the future. But even we may not be living up to that standard right now. And, and if we're transparent and say we're not living up to it, and this is what we're striving to get to, yeah. you start creating a lot more credibility for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and it also aligns with a lot of personal coaching, isn't it? Is that one of the techniques is to imagine yourself in 10 years time looking back at your actions now, right? And exactly. It's, it's like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love this. I love this. All right. So um, and we're coming up to time. What um, if people were to be reevaluating their lives and were wanted to a hero to chase? Um, where might they find the writings of a hero that they might chase? They find it in their own darn hard drives is where they find it. Um, and go look at the stuff that you've put a cap on that you need to resurrect because you thought it was too out there. Um, but beyond that, they can find my thinking um, as as prescient at, and or not as it may be um, at our little hovel on the web, which is contentadvisory.net. Splendid. And um, when people spin the dial on the interwebs and they want to find you, Robert, where are they going to find you? Come over to our little community. We've got a nice little community growing over at experienceadvisors.io. Yes. Yeah, yeah. um, it's fun. And we've got the Discord up and running and yes. we're planning some events and we're doing some things. Um, and then, of course, there's a newsletter that goes along with yeah. that. So um, I'd, I'd invite people and, to come over there. And this very little podcast that I know quite well where I do some drinking on got mentioned in your in your newsletter, which was very flattering. Thank you very much. Oh, well, of course, yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, mate, and most importantly, will you be in the bar next week? Of course I will. I look forward to it, my friend. And, uh, I'll see you then. Thank you, Robert. He jokes about his hovel on the internet, but please check out his links in the show notes. There's some really good stuff there. So that's a wrap on episode 160 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks to Jeff, Brittany and Robert for sharing their insight and to you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Please let us know what you think. You can contact us through our website, rockstarcmo.com. Catch us on the socials. We are Rockstar CMO or leave a rating or review in your favourite podcast app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, aside from my regulars, Jeff and Robert, I'll be chatting with Courtney Lindau, Head of Practice of Web Analytics and Business Intelligence at Nimble Gravity. Until then, have a great week. Hope you again join us next week here on Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.